0: I'm Dan and I'm Alice and today we wanted to start off the year by talking about the size of the universe. Now
1: as a preface I do want to say that anyone who has severe existential dread or anything similar that could be triggered by this episode please do take care of your mental health
0: and don't listen to this. So if that's the case see you next week. Yep and if not uh, let's start off with a continuation of that. This episode is going to be difficult to conceptualize, and we entirely understand that. hmm I will honestly admit that I don't even really have a true concept of how large the American continent is, much less the universe. I know in theory, but putting that to an actual image, a bit harder. <laughs> yeah, I have, like, I don't even have a concept of, like, the state. <laughs> you don't even have a concept of the day of the week. Okay, look, that
1: is mostly, I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna try and defend, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, personally, my tiny human brain quakes whenever I try to think about this. So, before we start, I think it's important for you all to comprehend the size of the numbers that we'll be talking about. 1000 seconds is equivalent to about 16.7 minutes. One million seconds is about 11.6 days. Just a bit of a jump there. Yeah, just a little bit. One billion seconds is about 31.7 years. In case
0: anyone's wondered the difference between million and billion, 11.6 days, 31.7 years. Just gotta let that sink in. Yeah. One trillion
1: seconds is 31,700 years approximately. Yeah, no, good luck, good luck understanding that one. <laughs> yeah. 31.7 thousand years ago would be approximately 30,000 BCE. 30,000 BCE was the upper paleolithic stage of human development, and this is around the time when they began living in organized settlements. This is also the beginning of the last glacial maximum likely before the ancestors of the native americans came over the land bridge to the americas
0: you know going back to uh that sort of time in bc just a little bit uh of time has passed since then wouldn't you say ah yeah just just a touch so now that you have a few numbers in mind let's begin with adam's I love these. (laughs) So, firstly, the components of atoms are ridiculously tiny. Atoms, as you may remember from chemistry class, are made up of protons, neutrons, and electrons. Protons and neutrons are about the same size, but they are insanely small. The smallest atom we can create is the hydrogen atom, because it has a single proton and a single electron. And even compared to the size of a full-blown hydrogen atom with just, you know, one proton said proton is barely larger than one thousandth of one trillionth the size of an atom. Hmm. So, in other words, if a hydrogen atom was the size of the entire freaking Earth, a proton would be the size of a giant beach ball, ah. and that is its center. <laughs> and you thought Earth's score was small. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How about our electrons, right? You can't even calculate their size. They're much, much, much smaller and weigh much, much, much less. They technically don't even have a size, period.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'd also like to add that you need a very specific microscope to observe atoms, and it isn't even like looking into a normal microscope. You don't look at it with your eye, really. Rather, the microscope sends signals and translates those to images um, that we can actually
0: see because they are just so terribly small. And, as another fun side note, protons and neutrons are um, composed of quarks, so if you thought that it was hard for our microscopes to see atoms, just you wait. (laughs) Quarks are one one one-thousandth the size of a proton at their largest, and one ten-millionth at their smallest.
1: Aww, baby.
0: Again, if the hydrogen atom was the size of the Earth, and the neutron was the size of a giant beach ball, These quirks would barely be visible in between the tiny little lines on a ruler. The centimeter rulers, too, not just the inches. Uh. Some would even be smaller than the tip of your pen. Yes, even the elusive .32. Tiny. Incredibly so. So now that you know that atoms are basically just 99% empty space, have fun with the knowledge that you, too, are something concrete and visible made out of basically nothing. (laughs) Haha.
1: atoms aren't the only things that are small. A cell's size depends on what its purpose is, and technically we have cells within our cells. These are called the mitochondria.
0: The powerhouse of the cell. Yes, indeed.
1: What you know as the mitochondria used to be its own separate cell, and it actually still has its own set of DNA, but it was consumed by one of our ancestor cells. <laughs> And they just kind of vibed instead of one of them digesting the other. Yeah. Plants
0: also have former cells like this known as chloroplast within them. So plants are literally just three cells in a trench coat. Let's move on to the human body, starting with neurons. Now neurons have super small cell bodies, which really can't be viewed with your ordinary microscope. But they have branches that send and receive information known as axons and dendrites and those can be insanely long. In fact, the longest neuron in your body stretches from the tip of your big toe to your stem. Meaning that I have a neuron that is nearly six feet long. Neurons are so cool, guys. Now let's go to the largest cell body. That would go to the ovum, or the egg. So, you know, only half of you have one of those. <laughs> it is just barely visible to the naked eye at 120 micrometers across not even a millimeter it is a micrometer which for anyone wondering is one millionth not just one thousandth of a meter these are really larger than the thickness of a single human hair which is really bloody small <laughs> oh, tiny. how about skin cells though skin cells are about one-fourth the size of an ovum and those everyone actually, well, almost everyone actually has, unless you watch anime, in which case you get the reference. (laughs) You see collections of these cells a lot more often than you think, aside from literally on people all the time. Have you ever seen dust? That is 95% human skin. You are welcome having a lovely day. (laughs) Yep. Going inside the body, you have the white blood cell, which is only 10 micrometers, which is, funny enough, even smaller than the skin cells. Those are actually one of the larger cells within your body.
1: (laughs) Yeehaw. Going into plant cells for a moment, those house the chloroplasts, which are nearly as large as white blood cells, so almost 10 micrometers. And the mitochondria is less than half the size of a white blood cell at 4 micrometers, which is also the same size
0: as your X chromosome. So yes, DNA things are huge and, uh, cells are small. <laughs> Aw, baby. But do you remember what I said that these used to be, uh, actual cells before plants and animals were even a thing? Well, that's because there are even smaller cells in bacteria. Woo-hoo. So E. coli, for example, is half the size of mitochondria clocking in at 2 micrometers. So that's incredibly small and you could fit 117 E. coli bacteria on just the tip of a syringe needle. Mm. And those are absolutely tiny and I took the smallest measurement for that by the way. Viruses are even smaller and the largest virus is 440 nanometers which is nearly like one fifth the size of E. coli and that's why viruses can slip past nearly anything. Especially if it's not tightly woven enough. Oh, I wonder mm-hmm. what you're talking about. <clears throat> Nothing at all. <laughs> hey, 2022. Well, how about the Hep B virus? Hepatitis B is smaller than the size of a UV or ultraviolet wavelength. And HIV isn't much larger than that. Mm. So bacteria might also be small, but they are a lot more prevalent than you would ever hope which is great, and a lot more prevalent than, say, these tiny viruses that get into your body all the bloody time. Have you considered that I love bacteria? They're fickle for me, but mood. (laughs) For now, let's just go back to the human body and bacteria. So bacteria makes up 1 to 3 percent of your body's mass. So if you weigh 200 pounds, up to six of those pounds are bacteria. Have fun sleeping at night, Jeff. So, you can find- (laughs) Is that a call-out? You can find bacteria everywhere, Jeff. From your nose, to your intestines, to your skin. However, without a lot of these bacteria, you'd become a lot more vulnerable to, uh, well, death. Yeah, that's why I love them. And bacteria often helps the body filter out harmful substances, break down proteins and lipids we eat, as well as generally maintain our bodies. You know, just the normal, life-saving functions. But why the heck is the bacteria there? Well, it's because in return, they get the nutrients that they need to survive and basically protections from predators out in the wild that might be out to get them. Yeah. This is what's called a symbiotic relationship. Obviously, not all bacteria is benevolent. Look back to E. coli, for one. But a good majority of bacteria is much less harmful than we realize. Yeah, I mean, that's
1: just because, like, we only really hear about the bad ones and then we're like, ugh. So, tardigrades. So, these are sometimes called water bears. Small boys. Yeah. They are microscopic animals between 0.5 and 1.2 millimeters in length. And they are very hardy. And they can survive in extreme temperatures, as we've mentioned before. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. There are over 1,300 known species of tardigrades. And tardigrades have been around since the Cambrian period, 541 million years ago. They've survived all five mass extinctions, and honestly, we are not sure how long they live. Some reports say 3 to 30 months. Others say 30 years. There are over a 1,000 species, so variants would make sense. So they can survive being crushed under 87,000 pounds per square inch of pressure, which is impressive because I can barely handle holding 87 pounds with my whole body. (laughs) This is also six times the pressure that you would feel at the bottom of the ocean.
0: Or, you know, in your typical high-achieving high school american
1: class (laughs) many of them also reproduce asexually which is just a neat little fact you know (laughs) so according to dr jennifer mccallity there's evidence of around 35 trillion with a t microbial species and humans have sort of quote-unquote found one about one million So 1% of 35 trillion is 350 billion, which means that we've met less than 1, 1 millionth of a percent of all microbial
0: species. Which, you know, you can't really wrap your head around, but let's just say it's basically nothing. Yeah. (laughs) So, have fun sleeping at night with all of those millions of, or potentially billions, of microbial species that you don't even know are around you. Sleep Bro, tight, Jeff. Oh,
1: trillions.
0: I was just being a little optimistic with the bacteria around people in the air. You know, especially given the diverse ecosystems, but you never know, it could be trillions. Alrighty, everyone. It is time for some mathematics. Woohoo! So, it's no surprise that there are a lot of people on the planet. And humans take up a heck of a lot of space. Or do we? Have you ever wondered how big of an area we'd need to gather all 7 billion people in one place? No? Well, you're learning anyway. Yeehaw! That's what we have on this. We roped you in on this podcast and we are not letting go. Please don't turn us off. Chaotic learning is the best way to learn. Well, what better way to start off chaotic learning than a quote from the CDC? (laughs) Woohoo! So, according to said CDC... The average circumference of a human waist, generally the largest part of one's body, is 38.1 inches or approximately 97 centimeters. Now I'm going to take this as the universal average given that the United States average weight and, well, body circumference is larger than most other countries. So let's give our people a little breathing room. I'm also giving kids the same measurements as adults for ease of calculation, so congrats, kids, you get a few extra inches of space. Yay! Cherish it. Use it wisely. <laughs> you shall be suffocated by the height. <laughs> eh,
1: yeah, well.
0: So, if we take this 38.1 inches or 97 centimeters circumference and multiply that by approximately the 7.8 billion people on the planet, you would find that all humans can fit in a little over 74 square miles, or, you know, about 190 square kilometers. Which, uh, thinking about that, and having 7.8 billion people, is absolutely insane to me. I had to double check my math five times on this. Can confirm. I was very confused by some of the things she said. I was like, what? 74 square miles it was. (laughs) So that means that literally everyone in the world could fit in half of Denver, Colorado, Or for people outside of the United States, they could fit inside Amsterdam with about nine square miles or 23 square kilometers to spare. Damn. So I'm just gonna uh, leave that for a hot minute for you guys to take in. As I continue to say that people probably need a place to live, so let's all be generous and give them a single-family, good old-fashioned American home. And by old-fashioned, I mean absolutely brand new, built from the ground up yesterday. Yay! So... Yes, even the children will get their own house. Good luck with that parents. Just means they own more houses. With this economy big up on the property taxes. Uh, Well, (laughs) if you you have eight kids you're already struggling bro. Quite fair, quite fair. Well, the average size of a single-family home in the United States is 2,531 square feet or about 235 square meters. If you multiply this by the approximate 7.8 billion people, you'd basically find that everyone can comfortably fit within Alaska and Montana, which, given not every part of those states are habitable, but I think that such a small fraction of the United States being able to hold the entire world population in fairly comfortable single-family homes gets my point across. Of course, this doesn't account for the convenience stores or malls and whatnot, (sighs) <sighs> humans use so much land for farming. Why do you think we had to take over the world? It was especially for farming, let's be honest. And also human need to take over everything it sees, but again, episode for another day. Yeah, well. I think this goes to show how much extra land we do take up as a species. Because even though all 7.8 billion of us can fit inside a fraction of the United States, we have practically dominated the world with our infrastructure and civilizations, which is something that is both amazing and more than a little terrifying to think about.
1: Mm, just a bit. So, what about everyone who has ever lived?
0: Well, surprisingly, the 7.8 billion people alive today are 1 of the humans who have ever lived. With certain assumptions made about population growth rates, an estimated 105 billion humans have lived and died on our planet. So, using the same measurements as last time, if we were to give everyone a nice, comfortable, single-family home, we'd find that everyone who ever lived could fit in a home within the vicinity of Russia and Australia. Which, yes, are fairly bigger numbers, but still only a portion of the entire world.
1: Let's finish off this
0: episode with
1: stars. Scientists theorize that there are about 1 billion trillion stars in the observable universe. That is a 1 with 21 zeros.
0: Or as I like to put it, an incomprehensible number. Yeah,
1: very large. So, if you could count 1 per second, it would take over
0: 31,700 years to count all of them. In other words, if you counted one per second, you would never finish. You would die. So this has been the first half of our existential crisis podcast. Hope we didn't traumatize you too much. Yeah, the part two will be coming out soon. That is where we shall finish the traumatization. (laughs) I think two weeks from now? Approximately, yes. Ah, sweet. So hang tight until then, and can't wait to terrify you more next time. Yeehaw!